What's up, sports fans? It's Nicholas, as always, coming to you on the Nerds Who Live podcast. On this week, me and Amber welcome good friends of hers, Mr. Seth Albertsworth and Miss Miana Albertsworth, the minds behind Activated Performance. Activated Performance is an awesome company of theirs. They are strength coaches, nutrition coaches, as well as they have their own apparel um, and really put out a lot of great educational content in the world of strength training, overall fitness. Um, both of them have been powerhouses in powerlifting and have great careers. And both of them are very excellent coaches with really different backgrounds. So today when we talk to them, we get to dive into both how they both came up in the sport and really what brought them to it. Um, and so what they're doing now, um, I really enjoy their approach to it. I enjoy how they, you know, it's not dogmatic. They kind of talk and um, give insight to many different uh, perspectives. You know, they're very familiar with conjugate training, with linear periodization. So they give both of those um, on their content that they put, you know, they always have different um little educational tidbits, anything um, from raps. Um, and I saw Seth had put up one just recently about a great rap style for knee wraps, um, increasing your arch, um, conditioning for powerlifters, and just cues for better healthy habits in general. Uh, bulletproofing your knees is another one of their posts that I really enjoyed in terms of just dysfunctional knee um, and how that comes, mostly hip and ankle, how to improve that. So just different things like that, and their merch is really cool. I like their designs. So they were fun. Uh, Amber's known them. Um, you know, again, some of her Canadian posse. They're actually now based in Florida, um, and they train with the one and only infamous Mr. Dan Bell. I'm friends with him. So they both have just great pedigrees, very smart people. I loved having them on. So, yeah, let's get right into it. I will preface, we got cut off like right at the end. The new program that I've been using to give better quality is Zoom, and we recorded on Zoom. And without uh, a subscription, they only gave you like 40 minutes of recording time, maybe 50. And um, yeah, they cut us off right at the end, uh, right as we were saying our goodbyes. Since then, we felt bad enough. We we have sprung. We we got the subscription. Um, so uh, me and Amber, are, you know, worked on that, and she helped me with that. So. Thank you, dear. I love you. And yeah, so we won't have that happen again. So I'm sorry, Seth and Yana, that that happened. But um, we love you guys. And I'm glad that you were on the show. So I hope you guys take something away from this. Just get to know them, follow them, Activated Performance on Instagram. And then both of them are also have their own, Seth and Yana Albertsworth. So yeah, sit back, tune in to this week's Nerds Who Live podcast. <laughs> weird i'm in the basement <laughs> you're always in the basement <laughs> i live here it's true hey guys how are you i'm nicholas hey nice to meet you seth miana nice to meet you guys thanks for coming on yeah of course we've never done this before definitely a little bit nervous but oh god it's, don't be nervous you guys yeah it, it's really easy you just 
talk. <laughs> it's, 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 it's pretty easy, but um, Amber have an alpaca behind you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was gonna ask. That's amazing. <laughs> Wait, is a llama or an alpaca? What's that? Is it a llama or an alpaca? Oh, it's an alpaca. It is an alpaca. How did you know it was an alpaca, by the way? What's that? How did she know it was an alpaca? Like, how could you tell? They okay, so the fluffier heads. Yeah, the people that I'm staying with, so Doug and Hannah, Doug is obsessed with alpacas, and he's constantly sending Hannah and I stupid videos of alpacas. So that's the only <laughs> reason I know it's an alpaca. <laughs> we just got that as a gift a few days ago, and we figured there's nothing on the wall, so. <laughs> it's, I, I like it. I like it. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, guys, so it, like you said, Ember said a lot of really great things about you guys, and so I'm excited. And if you could just maybe introduce yourselves and a little bit um, about kind of your approach to coaching. Um, I, I've, it's been nice. I've like spent the morning, like looking through your guys' content and you have a, a lot of really, you know, cool stuff. Like I, I was reading your box squats post, which I really appreciated. Um, and so I, I generally just really like the approach that you guys had. So I'm excited to hear about it and how you guys have kind of progressed into it. So if you could kind of, yeah, just tell us a bit us, about yourselves and where yeah, you guys come from. Sorry. You want to go first? Um, I guess so. Um, my name is Miana. I'm from Ottawa, Canada. Um, I started out as a personal trainer at a global gym. I spent seven years there and then decided it's not really what I wanted to do anymore. So I decided to go back to school. So right now I'm studying health sciences at Queen's University. Uh, and I'm also doing online coaching, but we're trying to branch out of that a little bit. Right now we're trying to get more towards creating content for people uh, that they can teach themselves and they can kind of coach themselves because we feel like it's going to have a bigger impact in the long run. Yeah, I agree with that. And how about mm -hmm. you, man? And well, I'm Seth, as you know, and I'm originally from Airdrie, Alberta, Canada. We moved down here to Port Orange, Florida as I got accepted to Palma College of Chiropractic. Nice. And I've been that for the last two years, loving it down here. Coming down here has been one of the best things we've done for training because it allows access to so many talented lifters and smart people in the rehab chiropractic world. So yeah, uh, Florida really has a great lifting scene right now. It's, it's insane. Yeah. Like where we are with Dan Bell, Miami's has Steffi, Gainesville has Stacy Burr. Yeah. Out in Tampa, there's a ton of other strong people. So yeah, there's Jaffe, there's Trevor yeah. and all his folk. It was definitely a big drawing point to choosing where he was going to go to school mm -hmm. was that we wanted to have a better education, but we also wanted to be around somewhere where there's a good powerlifting community and we can learn at both aspects. Yeah, definitely. It seems to be the same way up here. Um, the Eastern part of Canada, there's definitely a very strong strength community over there from like Quebec to Ontario. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if people just don't like the prairies. <laughs> yeah. And for myself, that's the same, it's the same here in the States. Like East coast has a really like powerful powerlifting culture and history in the West coast, like where I'm at, we have some key like areas, but not at the level that like Florida and the East coast has really. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit different. And for myself, when I decided to come, come to school down here, it was entirely based upon knowing that if I wanted to reach my potential as a powerlifter, I needed to get around stronger people, learn how to train smarter, learn how to manage my injuries better. And yeah. just 
because when I left Alberta in 2018, I was banged up, couldn't even squat a bar <laughs> and needed to figure my shit out or else I'd be done. Yeah. Yeah. You spent a lot of time just working on your health. Um, yeah. so you were quite a bit heavier. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of, I'm backed around that same You're way that I was back there, but you take care of yourself more. <laughs> yes. yes I'm... He eats vegetables now, which is yeah. a great plus. <laughs> it helps a lot. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. Well, like back then my entire diet was just pizza pops and protein shakes and that was it. Snickers. Do you eat a lot of Snickers? Snickers yeah. Those are still <laughs> in there occasionally, but. The he plan. used to send me um, like Snapchats of him and his diet. I, I used to always say, you know, where are your vegetables? And then he said, well, I, I take these veggie greens every day and that's totally fine. Right. <laughs> that was literally the only greens that he would get was veggie greens. Now, now things have changed a bit. You're definitely a lot healthier. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> Blood markers are all better, so. It, it helps that way. Yeah. So when, <laughs> go ahead, were you going to say something, Amber? Sorry, I was, I was just going to say, like, you feel better, you perform better. So <laughs> there's definitely yeah. something to be said for eating your fruit and vegetables. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and it's, it's funny, when we, uh, um, a couple episodes ago, when we talked to Brad, and we talked about kind of athleticism in, for powerlifters, how in this current iteration of the sport lifters are taking their health more seriously and their athleticism more seriously and it's not just like i can be big and i'll lift whatever it's you know we want to rehab better we want to be more mobile we want to be mm -hmm. healthier to have a longer and more healthy sustained career mm -hmm. as a lifter for sure because i was definitely the guy that was i just need to be big i just need to take a lot of pharmaceuticals and put everything i can in my mouth and train hard and get stronger but i hit a wall doing that and realized i need yeah. to get smarter in order to progress yeah yeah that only goes so far <laughs> yep yeah. Which is, that's definitely kind of a message i want to kind of push towards the younger crowd too since i've, I've been through it i've had that wall i had to take almost two years to rehab my knee and then mm -hmm. and i would like to have some kids not have to go through that yeah Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely know a few that could take some notes. Absolutely. We see it here. There's a lot of young lifters around here that could certainly mm -hmm. learn a thing or two. I think like in the Alberta powerlifting culture right now, there seems to be this huge belief that the only difference between them and the elite is drugs. So they need to take uh -huh. more drugs to get better. <laughs> yeah. And sooner or later, they're going to realize that that definitely is not the case. And it's they're not just, the case at all. <laughs> they just make themselves feel like shit for nothing. Yeah. One of the best things that I, you know, that I was, you know, told or rather taught, you know, when I started powerlifting was that drugs only work as, as hard and as healthy as you are. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed it. I got it from um, my friend Ranson. I don't know if you know who Ranson Lee is. Um, we were just listening to your podcast with, this morning huh? with him. We were just listening to your podcast with them this morning. Oh, awesome. Yeah. He, he is we've become really good friends him and his friends wife the like, beauty yeah yeah they're like the the siblings that i always wanted she's like the big sister i always wanted and he's like the <laughs> big brother that i never had even though yeah. he's like a few months younger than i am but you know um but like what after we became friends after that you know when he first came on after that and one of the things that he you know imparted to me especially when i you know started using and cycling was you know they only work as hard uh, they only, I'm sorry, they only work as well, like I said, as hard as you work and as healthy as you are, mm -hmm. you know, so it's like, you know, the healthier you are, 
the better your body will process them. Um, you know, but obviously then hard work does come into play, but just using them won't, doesn't get you anything. And if you're not healthy, your body doesn't actually even process as much. Um, and so I've, you know, had a, you know, a lot of luck using very little, by the way, like I don't, I don't need, uh, I cycle very low and, you know, am lucky to be healthy, have good levels and just, and it's not, um, it's not the main staple, you know, mm. it's diet, it's the training and, and I don't, and, and it, does it help? Yes, most definitely, but it's not, it's not the only thing and I don't need a no, it should, blast. It should be like the icing or the whipped cream on the Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I've exactly. found so much more value in trying to improve sleep quality and improving my food quality yeah. than I ever would have increasing dosages. Yeah. And, and it's in like that, and like we said, it's only, if your body is you know not sleeping well, your cortisol levels are up the roof. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how much your you know how much you you cycle. It's like it, your body's run down. It's not going to process very well, in, in general. So, and I think in general, more powerlifters should be doing their blood work as well. I think a lot yeah, of yes. people are just kind of you know more is the answer, more is the mm-hmm. answer. But if you don't know what your actual levels are, then you know you could just be like overfilling a water bottle yeah. that's just leaking out over and over again. So I think more people should think that blood work is sexy in a way. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's more knowledge. Like, I mean, just mm-hmm. knowing what your body is. I mean, one of the biggest things for me was learning, like, you know, if, if, if you are a, you know, an untested lifter and you're cycling, uh, the average body can only process about 125 milligrams of a compound per day. Mm-hmm. So like how much waste, how many people take 700 a week and, and they're just wasting it. And they're in it. Yeah. It's like, you don't, they don't, they're not even sure again, what their health level is, what their blood work is, how much of that is just being pissed out because you can't process it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and again, health oriented and just eating some fucking vegetable vegetables every now and then goes a long way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Um, but what I want to ask you guys, so a, what in terms of how you guys like approach especially with the content you put out um and that you want to put out and especially you being in chiropractic school which i'm i love my chiropractor friends and i yeah i thought that was really cool when i saw that how do you infuse you know learning that and being involved in that world and then you know just the content that you you know that you want to create and put out for well, on the chiropractic side of things i definitely think i'm still at the level where I don't know enough about it yet in order to be able to speak on it definitively. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely still learning, definitely still trying to absorb as much as I can. And although I have some ideas in terms of rehab injury prevention, I don't want to go all in and say, this is what you need to be doing to fix this issue, solve this problem quite yet. Fair. Just because I don't want to accidentally lead someone down the wrong path because of my own. Right. Yeah. But, and everyone's different. So yeah. there's that too. Yes, that too. And it always depends on the situation, always depends on the mechanism. Right. But, but, but what about what, like I said, how do you, what, what is, you know, how do you guys take and, and what's the focus for the content? Like what you, you alluded to it earlier, Miana, about helping people be more self-sufficient um, is, you know, would you say that that's a, a focus on kind of what you guys, how you approach? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We're trying to share more of the thought process behind why I do things the way I do them or why she does things the way they do them instead of just being, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We want to give the why and kind of let teach people to 
be able to make their own decisions and better apply the information. That way they can help themselves moreover mm-hmm. than depending on an online coach. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people who need that. And again, like the buck squat post. I, I enjoy that because even like when, when I, I saw it and I was reading it, you know, you gave, you know, kind of a, a potential like cons of, mm-hmm. you know, like have being overconfident with the box um, or you get loose on the bottom mm-hmm. and, and, but then you also, you followed it up with, it would be better if you, you know, treat it like yeah. a pause or, you know, just take, you know, take it away in general and get better with your free squats. And so like you, you broke down the logic yeah. and the thought process by the end of it to understand the principle. Well, like almost any implement can be useful and can be a detriment at the same time. So I think it's really useful for people to be able to um, kind of take an inventory of what could be good about a certain implement, what could be bad about a certain implement, and when when mm-hmm. to use it and when not to. And you see yeah. some of the people being box squats are terrible or box squats are magical. There's never yeah. any in between, but I mean, it really is just a tool. And if you apply it right, it can't help you. If you apply it the wrong way, it's definitely going to hurt you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's... Go ahead. Sorry. Fine. I trained conjugate for seven years straight and I lived on a box and I did many meat preps where the only free squat was just at the meat. <laughs> and because I had good training partners, good coaching at the time, I was able to succeed that way. But you see so many kids that are bouncing off the box or flopping or letting the background or swinging and then take the box away. They, they're a baby giraffe and they're useless. Yeah. <laughs> but, and then like, because of that, you get the box squats don't work. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you get the people that just want to repeat everything Louis says is the Bible. Yeah. That say they're, they're amazing, yada, yada, yada. There needs to be the middle ground of, hey, this can work or this can't. You don't have to do it or you can. Yeah. One, either way, you can get stronger. Yeah. And that's uh, something I've really liked from you guys. Um, you did a post not too long ago just um, kind of reiterating the fact that conjugate or the West Side Method can be utilized for raw lifters. Mm-hmm. And a lot of raw lifters don't understand that at all. It's like, you're either full on conjugate, you're in gear or you're just raw. And mm-hmm. it, there is no middle ground. I think like it just comes down to application of it. Yes. And if you have to work for a raw lifter, you shouldn't do some of the things you'd see guys doing when they're trying to get a bench suit to work for your raw bench. Mm-hmm. Or you shouldn't yeah. do some of the things you see guys doing in a squat suit to work for your raw squat. You still have to remember that you're a raw lifter, but conjugate is just, Max effort method, dynamic effort method, repetition effort method. So as long as you're hitting something heavy that applies to your raw training and your max effort day, as long as you're hitting something very fast or dynamic effort day that has the same technique as your comp lifts, and as long as you're hitting your hypertrophy work on the repetition stuff, you're going to get stronger. Yeah. It's very it's progressive with that moderate middle ground that you preach there, buddy. <laughs> A lot of people don't do it. No, yeah. they don't. But, but again, it comes down to like the lack of understanding. And they're just, they're, they're too afraid to apply those methods um, or they're too afraid to work with a coach that will apply those methods. Mm-hmm. And right. And right now actually I've moved away from conjugate, not just, be, not because I don't believe in it, but just mm-hmm. because she's trained linear her whole life. We're now training with Daniel Bell who changed the linear program. And I figure if the strongest power lifter in history is down here, I might as well mm-hmm. try to learn something from him, apply his methods and see if I can get better, see if I can learn from them. Yeah. Right. Um, what I'm, it's kind of like mine. So I, I work with Scott, um, Scotty Miller out of Stronghouse. So he's mm. the guy I coach with and he, we have a very interesting 
the way he, A, he doesn't actually program same periodization for everybody, mm. um, which is good. So, I mean, he, mm. he has that, you know, but he do, definitely has a, a linear structure, mm. but we have, um, he definitely understands conjugate methods. So the different days of the, of, you know, of the week, mm. I have you know, different variation, the different, you know, RPE range that's expected. Um, and so it's a, for me, it's a really nice balance. I did, I got to do conjugate for about eight or nine months. I worked with a coach um, mm. and which was really great for me. And I had a lot of fun, um, but it was nice to kind of get in a little bit of that linear progression. Um, do you, between you two, do you guys kind of balance between aspects of linear and then maybe take a little bit from the conjugate just for, or how, how does, you know, how does Bell like kind of approach that? Bell is just main lifts and then drink Coors Light. <laughs> yeah. <Pretty much. laughs> yeah. But, but you know what? Yeah. He's at the point though, where like, so accessory work in my mind is, or a lot of people's mind is solely hypertrophy work for powerlifters, just to build muscle, bring up weak points. And for yeah. someone like Dan, he is, he has so much muscle on him that he's at the point where he just needs to squat, get a seamless term of squats and then chill out and relax. Mm. But he doesn't need to do, a leg extension to get bigger quads because he has 40 inch legs. Fucking monster. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's, um, you know, you, uh, Miana, he, he mentioned that you've always done kind of like linear. You yeah. Know, so if he came from the conjugate, what is your background kind of, you know, with that? Um, well, basically I did linear since I started powerlifting. So I, I don't know how many years ago it was, but I started training with Steve Goggins. Uh, and it was a pretty basic linear program and I ended up applying that to a lot of my clients. But mm -hmm. after spending more time with him and I trained with Brian Schwab for a little bit, I started adding some different kind of max effort. I don't want to say max effort, but some basically different variations um, yeah. and applied that to a linear progression. So instead of just doing a basic competition squat all the time, I did start to add more box squats and that kind of thing in there. So I think it doesn't always need to be a basic competition lift when you're doing a linear program. It's going to be, uh, kind of what I learned from that. Yeah, and that's same with with uh, with Scotty. For me, like we have, you know, he'll he'll give me variations on different days. Mm -hmm. um, I think it gives you something that. different to apply to different lifters. So if you see somebody yeah. who maybe is is has no tightness in the hole, maybe maybe put, give them box squat and teach them how to be tight to the box. Maybe that'll that'll apply to them. So there's lots of different applications for different variations of lifts that you can personalized to different people and have that end up making their competition lifts better. Yeah. Yeah. Which always help. And it does help. Like for me, like a SSB work, it, well, I love it now, but it was my nemesis forever. And I miss yeah. the SSB. I have yeah, yeah, <laughs> Cause my upper back was weak and I was too, same thing too loose coming out of the hole. So I got, I got, I got fucked up on SSB work and it's a lot better now. Yeah. <laughs> so it helps. Yeah. Um, so what guy, both, you know, for both of you, what introduced you guys into powerlifting um, as the sport? So I started off by playing competitive rugby through college. And when I started working as a personal trainer, uh, there were some powerlifters at the gym and I was just, I was already doing the big three uh, and then just ended up kind of looking at some powerlifting records and realized that I might be okay at it. And then started off just doing really stupid shit 
So the first, like I'd say six months I was doing just, you know, heavy singles all the time. I was just kind of showing up to competitions and, you know, just kind of winging it. And then it wasn't until uh, I started doing seminars at Elite FTS and started working with them that I was actually able to, you know, have more structure in my program and I was able to, you know, actually get better. Nice. Now, when did you, I guess, swing over to Elite FTS? Because if people don't know you, they don't know that you are, I guess, affiliated or you work with Elite FTS. Yeah. So it started off uh, right after my first bench only meet. I went to uh, some seminars with Elite FTS and they saw that I was strong and they kind of saw that, you know, I had a lot of, I think they thought that I had potential at the time. And then just kind of ended up putting me under their wing and they ended up sponsoring me and set me up with Steve Goggins as a coach, as a coach. And they ended up giving me a, a blog so I could just log my, my experience as I kind of grew up into powerlifting. That's pretty rad. I was going to ask you how you got connected with Steve and you answered that question. That's pretty cool. Yeah. They set you up. Yeah. And it really did help because if I hadn't gone to their seminars and, you know, been put under their wing, who knows where I would have been at this point in time. I might not be powerlifting still. Uh, a lot of the positive things that have happened in my life have been because of Elite FTS. So I'm, I'm super happy to be affiliated with them. Yeah, which is pretty there. <laughs> I, I like them. I'm friends with Joe um, as well. And he, he, he says the same thing about Elite FTS, that it's just mm -hmm. a really good community of other lifters. And they really do help each other really well. Absolutely. You know, which is cool. Uh, and then how about you, Mr. Seth? How did you find the sport? Well, after I raced motocross growing up. Nice. So I was, after my second shoulder surgery, I was 180 pounds and skinny and whatnot. And my surgeon actually told me to start lifting weights because I figured my shoulder would end up doing better if I got stronger. So yeah. after that, I started lifting weights, training at the local rec center. And after I both ran out of talent and money to continue pursuing motocross. I started lifting more, training more, and eventually someone encouraged me to try out a meet, and the rest is history. Nice. Did you ever do equipped, or did you just do raw? I, <laughs> so I did, my, I did my first four meets raw, mm -hmm. and then I did two single-ply meets, and then I think after that I had six multi-ply meets. Okay. So I've, I've, I've done both raw, single, and multi, and I've came awesome. back and recently started training raw again. Nice. I've been around the block a little bit. Yeah, yeah how yeah, I came sure. across Seth was GPC Nats 2016. He took 1,002, and I was scared shitless. <laughs> it was like my first introduction into powerlifting. I was running numbers, and I was like, who in the fuck is this guy? First of all, you look like a horrifying human being. Now I understand. <laughs> now I understand powerlifting, and people are like, don't fucking talk to me. Yep. Well, <laughs> and small world is... Selk, who is now in Edmonton, Ryan Selk, yep. handled you at that meet. Yeah. Yep. And it's just like the connection, it, it kind of like, it blows me away how the world is so small, but yeah, yeah, Seth is not a very scary human being. At, I know with that oh. now. <laughs> well, like meet day Seth or training Seth is a lot different than just everyday Seth. Uh, I've heard stories. I've definitely yeah. heard stories. <laughs> yeah. It's Seth doesn't yep. like it when people are late. That's yep. like that. Yep. During yeah. meet day or during training or both? During both training, for sure. Yeah. Because so you definitely shouldn't be late to your meet, so I would no. understand that. Well, when I was in Calgary, I was, we had a training crew, 
And it was basically show up at this time, the bar's loaded, we're all training together. If you're late, mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah. So yeah, fuck off. So after someone's someone's late a couple times there. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. <laughs> yeah. And then what then what's meet day set then? <laughs> Just intense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as you should be, I feel like that's that's part yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. I think different people have different intensities when they're lifting. Um, oh yeah. And Seth for sure is a is a pretty intense lifter. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think that maybe maybe it's because I'm just used to you now. But you're not, you're not as intense as you used to be in some yeah. ways. Definitely have toned it down a bit. Which because I think I used to be a lifter who would almost get too fired up and then not be able to think under the bar, and that would yeah. work against me. Yeah. I definitely had to reel it in, tone it down, find that optimal level of where my head needs to be in order to perform to still be able to be strong, but actually think through what I'm doing. Because yeah. if I can't think through a lift, it's, it's not going to work well. Yeah. I was always told uh, technique over hype. Yep. Yes. That was always, that was, that's always been – because I did it when I was, first started. I would get a little bit too riled, you know, riled up and then mm-hmm. forget every cue I was supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. So how do you two um, differ from each other when it comes to training? Um, Like for myself, I'm I'm a wild overthinker. I think about every little aspect of things and it definitely can be uh, a detriment. Um, But how do you guys differ, um, say, as like training partners and being married? (laughs) Well, when I'm training, I'm training and that's it and that's all. When she's training, she's like jumping around dancing and singing and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and like that was very tough for us to deal with for the first little while when we were training together. I'm a very go with the flow kind of person. So, but at the same time, like I, I, I know when to reel it all in. And mm-hmm. when I'm under the bar, I'm kind of thinking about nothing in a sense. I don't, I don't get angry. I don't get emotional. I just like to think about absolutely nothing. Like it's my, my clear head. Um, so it can be a hard time sometimes if I get like overly excited or if, you know, say we're like maybe we don't fight ever really but if we if if there was like a disagreement before a lift or something like that that might bother me a little bit so Mm -hmm. I just kind of need to take the time to make sure that my head is completely clear before I lift whereas he's more like he's more intense when he's lifting Mm -hmm. he's more in the zone focused the entire time Mm -hmm. yeah yeah which I don't necessarily know if that's the right way to be especially after training with her more training with training with Dan Bellmore, like just seeing them, how they can be so much more relaxed before approaching a heavy set and then turning it on the moments before they approach the bar. Whereas mm-hmm. myself, I feel like I've always needed to be on for the whole three hours leading up to my top set or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He'll be in the car on the way to the gym, like not wanting to say anything. Like he likes to ride in silence. And meanwhile, I'm like, like I want to be dancing in the car. Like I want to be having a good time. Training yeah. is fun for me. And not that he's not having fun, but like it's just definitely different mental approaches that we've had to get used to. And yeah, like I'm, I'm going to the gym dead silent, just like visualizing every single aspect of what I'm going to do before that top set and yeah. what I have to do in order to perform. And she's trying to sing and dance to just, <laughs> it, well, you know, I think everybody has their thing, you know, yeah. that gets them there. I also think it depends on kind of perhaps where you come, like started in lifting. Mm-hmm. Um, like you mentioned, when you started lifting, you were 180 and skinny. Um, and that's how I was when I started lifting. I was even, I was less than, I was like in the high 160s mm-hmm. and I'm six foot. So I'm lean and I'm still skinny. Even now, uh, skinnier than I'd like to be. 
and lifting has always been a struggle. Like it does not come easy to me. Mm. I'm not, you know, uh, anatomically built for anything, uh, mm. especially bench. Like my benching is the slowest to come up. Um, so I have to work what I feel extra hard for everything. And so I, I'm the same way. I visualize everything. Like if I have a heavy day, I've gotten a little bit better about it now. And I, I do, but I do think about it. Like even in the morning, I'm like, Oh, I have a heavy day. You know, I want to make sure I don't, you know, lose tension at the bottom. Like I did last week. And I carry that with me. And I, and I do, I think about everything, every cue. Mm. And I set up the same way every time. Like I'm, I'm very cerebral and I feel like I have to be in order to progress. Well, mm. I have friends who are more like Miana who just, they can just do. It's not that they don't work hard. It all works. Yeah, it's not that they don't work hard. It's just that it, they learn something and they can just kind of apply. And they, the more they, they'll get it. Like, it's just, they will get it. Like, it's, not a, it's just a matter of time. It's not if. It's, it's, it actually has been kind of difficult for us because for me, if someone cues me during a lift, it messes me up because then I start actually thinking when I do my best when I'm in my flow state. Whereas yeah. he's the exact opposite. If I'm not cueing him, or if nobody is cueing him, then he just kind of turns into a pile of, I don't want to say he turns into a pile of mush, but all of a sudden he forgets where he is in space. Not, not really that bad, but I think, yeah. I think just how we started training, like she started training mostly on her own. Whereas my early years were training with Ryan Selk, and he is yeah. <laughs> easily the best in-person coach I've ever experienced. Like oh yeah, I've I've learned so much just from the times I've trained with Selk since he moved to Edmonton. So yeah. mm-hmm. I completely understand that. And when I was coming up, he would cue every single aspect of every single lift. So I was so used to having the like the exact hearing his voice, like the exact step by step what I need to do to execute. Mm-hmm. That now when I don't have cues during a squat, like it's not that I forget what I'm doing, but it's just like I'm used to hearing like the certain cue and then pivoting or doing whatever I need to do out of that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's a like, mental marker. Yeah. yeah. So like if I'm tra- if I'm in multiplied, I don't hear that kick back to initiate my squat. It's just like I think to myself, why is no one saying kick back? And then <laughs> Yeah. So no, there's more of a question of for you, Seth, more about her. Do you feel it's because she just again, like I said, for uh, maybe people who have to work harder, you think it's just she's just a natural not harder, but think more. She's just kind of natural, where that's where she's able to just kind of like B and doesn't really need it so much or I think so yes yeah 100% I think you're right on that like she doesn't she doesn't need it she can just do whereas initially I kind of thought that she would do better with more cueing or more 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 kind of coaching on the spot yeah which ended up actually screwing up more and then because like she said she doesn't need to think when she's squatting she just needs to squat Mm -hmm. because she knows Mm -hmm. where to put herself she knows what to do Mm -hmm. I think it kind of has to do with like the style of learner that I am too. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I do all of my best work no matter what it is when I'm in a flow state. And as soon as there's something like that comes in, if somebody says something to me, I immediately stop doing what I'm doing and I need to think about what somebody just said to me. So it's the same thing when I'm lifting. So I don't think it really has to do with um, like things coming easier or harder. Like when it comes to cueing, if somebody says something to me before a lift, then that'll go over really well. And then I'll, mm-hmm. then I'll kind of be able to like think about that and visualize it before I do it. It's just when somebody cues me during a lift that screws mm-hmm. like, yeah. me up. And that makes sense. Yeah. Where you have it before you can kind of internalize it. 
do it mm-hmm. and then just go do it. Yeah. For that. Nice. So um so we have seven and a half minutes left on the little timer thingy. Um mm-hmm. so what do you guys have you know planned for um you know for for yourselves and you know especially in the time where I'm sure you have lots of time at home. Um you know what what is on the horizon for you guys? In terms of what business, yeah, training, business, coaching, training, business, all of, like, training, all of that. Yeah. Well, all we're really trying to pump out as much content as we can, or as much quality content as we can. We're putting together uh, a lower body mobility warm up um, document right now, where we have like videos and stuff like that. Um, we're gonna do the same for upper body coming up soon. We're actually thinking with the with the shutdown, we should probably put out some of the little conditioning workouts we've been doing without any equipment mm-hmm. just to give something, give some people some idea of what they can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've also got some new shirts that are hopefully going to be coming out in the next week or so. Um, yes. Some like more like, design elements to it. Uh, and then as far as training goes, we're trying to, you know, put together a little mock meet for ourselves on July 25th. If nothing opens back up anytime soon, if we have yeah. no meet on the horizon, we kind of want to, peak for something we're hoping to do a meet in the late summer anyway so that's probably what we're going to end up doing mm-hmm. that'll be fun will you guys probably like stream it or post it or anything like that that'd be kind of cool if you do well we'll end up posting it for sure oh, yeah. i don't know about streaming but yeah <laughs> we'll see well, that's always kind of, i think it is kind of i mean at least for me i enjoy watching people work up like that's mm-hmm. I, I enjoy especially like like in the gym or whatnot yeah. when you do like a mock meet i love watching from empty bar yeah. to attempts. You get to see the process that way. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah. You get to see the process. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I- Even more than just seeing the top set for sure. Yeah. yeah I, I, lo- I actually love watching people warm up. Like that's, it's like when I go to meets and, I, when I, and I'll go to meets and I'll work, you know, load plates and help. Mm. That's my favorite thing. I love watching the, that process, how people approach their warmups. Mm. Well, some people, you know, they explode the bar, they treat it all the same. Some people kind of rev up to it. It's mm-hmm. it's always just fascinating. Like I just I like I love watching people lift. Like I, I like how seeing how people set use their warm ups and they go to their attempts. Yeah. So that's all that's always fun. So if you guys do do that, I vote it'd be kind of cool to watch. Personally. Yeah. yeah. I think on that note, like watching people warm up, watching Dan is <laughs> it's funny. Well what it's it's made me realize how much of an overthinker I am and how much I often do things that are unnecessary mm-hmm. before I lift yeah. because he'll just walk in the gym cold. I've seen him squat 515 on the squat bar, cold, no warm up while still wearing his flip flops <laughs> because he just strolled into the gym. And it's just like, but it's just, he's so mentally strong that he can walk up and do that. Yeah. He just and knows. it's like, yeah, he just knows that it's there. He knows that he's fine. He knows he trusts his body. Yeah. And trust so your body. That's not applicable for everybody. Yeah, it's, def- it's definitely. <laughs> It's not that I want to be. It's not that I want to purposely go in and hit something fairly big cold. It's that I just want to be able to. Simplify, not be scared about your body. Yeah, not be scared about my body just because I did spend so much time injured. Yeah. I need to get back to trusting myself and not thinking I need to do a seventeen-step routine in order to squat without pain. Yeah, you know, and he kind of remind, and I, and he's one of many high legendary lifters who I've heard are very much the same way. Um, like, uh, Ranson had told me that he, he went, so he went to Yuri Belkin's seminar he had on the East coast. Mm. It was like three hours away from him. 
And of course I was like, dude, you call me directly afterwards mm-hmm. and tell me everything I want to know. Yeah. And he, you know, he does, he FaceTimes me and he's like, so you want to know what his like training split is? I was like, yes. He's like, he squats, he benches, he pulls, he rests and he repeats. I'm like, okay. And, and what else? He's like, no, dude, he just squats, mm-hmm. benches, pulls, doesn't do accessories. He just does lots of sets, lots of warmups, tops, back downs. Sick. No I think something that's really important when people are at the top level, though, is that the recovery is more important than anything else. So mm-hmm. for like somebody like Dan Bell, um, he might only be able to squat heavy every two, three weeks because yeah. he's squatting so much weight that if he were to do that every other every week or twice mm-hmm. a week, it would just be too much and it would break him. Yeah. And another thing too is like because the training with Dan I've, and all he does is the main lifts and all I've, all I've been doing is kind of the main lifts following suit after him. I've been forced to learn from him how to modulate my intensity and volume better through the week because yeah. with conjugate, I could just change the variation. Like if, if I was feeling beat up for whatever reason from squatting, I could just do good morning on max effort day and I'd yeah. be fine. And that was my recovery. But yeah. training this way, dad's kind of taught me how to work around that and find ways to recover between training sessions that I wouldn't have otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is I think it's something yeah. important to like as lifters get stronger paying attention to how they're recovering from their lifts. Cause I think that when people start out, they're lifting so light for their body weight or they're lifting light enough that they yeah. can do an insane amount of volume. But like for me, I can't get away with the same amount of volume that I did two, three years ago. I need to yeah. take more time between my heavy lifts because I'm lifting so much more than I used to be. So I think more people need to pay attention to that. Yeah. yeah. And it really, it goes back to what, you know, what you guys had mentioned earlier about just having a healthier approach to your lifting career and having a longevity and taking time, managing your recovery, eating some fucking vegetables. Like yeah. it goes like, a long way. Even if we're both, we have above average genetics, we're not the absolute genetic elite. Yeah. So I've kind of realized for myself that if I want to do what I want to do in the sport, it's going to take me 10 more, 10, 15 more years. I can't do it next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have to go slow. I have to take my time. I have to make sure I'm doing everything right in order to get there. Yeah. Yeah, that's something Amber and I, whenever we nerd out, always talk about is like, how are you, like, if you love, you know, if you like being in a sport and you want to do well, you need to plan, like, that's going to be, a, that's a future thing. It's not mm-hmm. tomorrow. It might be a few years mm-hmm. you know, or more. And you just have to be prepared for that. Yeah. So, okay. So they're going to cut us off in like a minute. So if you could, you know, thank you guys, first of all, um, where can everyone find you? And also whenever you guys get like shirts and everything, please let us know and we'll share it. Cool. Um, thank, thank you, you so much. Yeah, post it. net is our website where you can find the content, the shirts, all that kind of stuff. And then I'm at Mianna.Albersworth on Instagram, and he's at Seth.Albersworth. And activated yeah. performance is activated.performance on yeah. Instagram. Activated.performance, yeah. I saw, I saw <laughs> that. So, and, uh, yeah, I hope everyone to check out. Like I said, I really, you know, and we'll continue to enjoy what you guys post. And I – you know, I, you reminded me and, you know, I saw little notes of stuff that I've forgotten or I didn't know. And so thank you for putting out. And right there is where we got cut off. So Miana and Seth, I'm sorry again that it cut out. I'm sorry we didn't have the premium service by the time you were on. We got it afterwards, but I know the damage is done. But what I was trying to say when I got cut off was thank you for putting out the content that you do. You guys put out great information. You're both very smart 
knowledgeable athletes and coaches. I'm really looking forward to seeing what you do further. As we said on the show, we will continue to support them and uh, hope they let us know whenever they get their new merch and their new shirts because I really enjoy that. And uh, as always, one of the biggest things that we believe in is support those who support you. So thank you, Seth and Yana, by supporting us, by coming on and sharing your story and your knowledge with us. Um, thank you, Amber, for hooking it up, as she always does. Um, you know, really, I want to give a shout out to Amber right now because this show had been on hiatus and it really did get a revitalizing jump back due to her becoming agreeing to become my co-host when I asked her and then giving access to all of her friends and the other amazing uh, group of lifters and lifting powerlifting culture that Canada has so we can bring it here to us in the States and really just bring the community closer. So thank you, Miss Amber Dawn. As always, I love you, you beautiful soul. Well, that's it, guys, um, for another episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Next week, we have Mr. Paul O'Neill, co-founder of MetriLife, on the show. And it is, as Ferris Bueller would say, so choice. So choice indeed. Uh, Paul is an amazing man. So, again, look up our friends. Set them Yana, activated performance on the Instas. Go follow them. Go support them. Tune in next week for Paul. And we'll catch you on the flip side on the Nerds Who Lift podcast. I want to